Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Pokies-Burke, and this is the Career Slay Podcast. Imagine the impact we could have on society if everyone loved what they did. That's what Career Slay is all about. I'm interviewing people who love their jobs and asking them how they got there and what they've learned along the way. We're here to slay the fear in career. Mark Zatrejo is the renowned chef behind La Casita Bake Shop in Richardson, Texas. Started in 2017 as an overnight side hustle with her husband, Alex Henderson, La Casita has quickly become a local institution, providing wholesale pastries to over 150 restaurants and coffee shops and opening to the public on the weekends with lines wrapped around the building. Marissa's creations have earned her television appearances on the Food Network and numerous awards, including Star Chef's Rising Star, Culture Map Tastemaker Awards Best Pastry Chef of the Year, and multiple nominations from the James Beard Foundation for both Outstanding Baker and Outstanding Bakery. As a first-generation Mexican-American, Marixa has built her dream into a brand that now employs over 50 people and continues to expand into a catering service, event venue, and coffee shop. And she's just getting started. This was one of my favorite conversations so far. And what I loved about my conversation with Marixa is that we share a similar story, both having immigrant parents who sacrificed it all to give us a better future. Marixa shares her inspiring story of how she found her love for cooking at a young age and her journey from working in toxic kitchens to building a warm and inclusive bakery with a positive culture. We also talk about how employees changed the game for her small business and how the most rewarding part of her job today is mentoring and seeing her employees grow. I hope you feel inspired to chase your passions after listening to this episode. I know I was. Welcome to Career Slay, Marixa. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. We were just talking about how, you know, our family goes to your bake shop every weekend. <laughs> uh, it's become a little tradition of ours. Oh, we, honestly, I, meeting both of you has been like inspiring in and of itself because I feel like I don't ever have time to talk to new people. Mm-hmm. And like the bakery is literally making me friends. So people come by <laughs> and I'm, I, that's how I make friends nowadays because I don't leave my house. Yeah, it's a good thirst trap. Just yeah. <laughs> So I want to dig into, you know, your past and like how you got started. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you were like growing up? Yeah, I'm one of six girls growing up. You know, obviously, when you have that many siblings, you want to stand out. You want your parents to be like, I'm so proud of you. So I I was very studious, kind of a brown noser. I'd always help my mom with things. And my sisters still this day are like, you're my mom's favorite. I knew my parents were immigrants. I knew how hard they worked. So I tried to work as hard as they did growing up at school, at my first job, like at everything. So I always wanted to keep them in mind in everything I did because my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was a is a plumber still. And I knew that growing up as little kids, you know, my mom wasn't like, I'm going to take care of six girls for a living. And my mm-hmm. dad wasn't like, I want to be a plumber. They sacrificed so much to give us anything we wanted. My mom was always just like, the best thing you can give me is to be happy. Like the reason why we brought you here to the United States was for you guys to have a better life and to be happy. And so that's what I try to do. And luckily, my happiness has turned into like something very profitable for me and my employees and everyone around me. So um, my parents are really proud and they've set, finally said it like a couple years ago. Oh my God. The, I have had I this cried. exact. <laughs> I have had this exact conversation with my mother. 
my parents are immigrants too. They immigrated from the Philippines. But I literally asked my mom, like after I had gotten a new job, I was like, are you proud of me? And she's like, don't you know I'm proud of you? And I was like, oh no, I need to hear it. Can you just say it? So yeah. Yes. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it, like sometimes I just want to hear, I, you know, I wanted to hear those words. So it was, it was yeah. really cool. But yeah, growing up, I was a weirdo. I was a weird kid. I liked Harry Potter. I was in band. Honestly, I was a very big nerd, but I feel like it saved me from a lot of like, teenage heartache that comes along with like going to parties and doing mm -hmm. bad things. And I wanted to differ from my sisters. They were all very pretty. I was a very chubby, voracious eater, like a kid. <laughs> just wanted to eat everything. For some reason, experiences with food were just like, wow, like I, I felt like I connected to the adults in that manner where they're like, mm -hmm. be like, what's in this? And then they'd be so excited to talk to you like, oh, I did this and that to it. And so I always gravitated toward older people. Like even when I was a child, I'd find myself in the kitchen with all the women, not even helping, but just watching all of them, like talk to each other and hear the gossip, like the yeah. DS talk to each other. And I'm like, <gasps> so what? At what point in time did you decide that was going to be the path you were going to take? In high school, I've always wanted to be like a helper. I always wanted to help somehow in the world or do something interesting. I didn't know whether I had it or not. So I told myself I love cooking, but I was like, I'm going to take a first semester at El Centro. It's a community college, so I'm not going to lose any money on it. You know, like mm -hmm. I, if anything, like I gained some knowledge of cooking or something. Mm -hmm. And so I took that first semester and I fell in love with it. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know what, I feel like I could find a way to do something interesting and fun and like help people with food. So you weren't self-taught. You went through culinary school and got all of the, the knowledge there. You had mentioned in another podcast that there was a chef who convinced you to, was it quit? Yes. <laughs> so I hated baking in culinary school. I was like, it's boring. It takes a long time. If you make a mistake, you have to start over. I'm like, there are so many factors. And yeah, he... He was like, you're always tired. You're always complaining that you have to go to school and you like you have to take time off from work where like we're paying you. Do you like going to school? I was like, I do, but I feel like I don't know if I'm learning as much as I am here. And he's like, well, then quit. Do you want to go to school and like do that and have like a little degree on your wall? Or do you want to like be successful and like grind your teeth is what uh -huh. they, he said. And I was like, you know what? I do want to grind my teeth. So what was your first culinary job? I worked at the Omni Hotel in downtown Dallas. I applied there when I was 21 and I felt like a baby. Everyone else was like over 30. And I started off as a, they, they call it a line cook, as a garde manger, which is like a fancy word of wow. saying like uh, basically a salad chef. Like that's what you do for the first couple like months or a year. Make salads, make dressings and like cut a lot of cherry tomatoes. I don't know why, but everyone loves cherry tomatoes on salads. <laughs> I did that for like the first six months. And then I like really quickly was like, I really wish I could like, you know, cook, cook. And so they they moved me up to being a fry cook, which is like putting all the chicken down and the fries and like helping the the person who's doing the burgers. And like, that's the more exciting, you mm -hmm. know, part of it. You get like called out tickets. Like instead of having tickets in front of you, mm -hmm. they're like, okay, I need two burgers, one chicken, one this and one that. And you're like, like heard, you're like heard chef. And then you have to continue to cook and then they'll call out another ticket. And in your head, you have to mentally be like, okay, I have two chickens. I'm waiting on that steak. It's like a whole production. Yeah. It's so I think it's, management skills. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, it, that's like where all the fun is, but it's also where, you know, if you put something up too early and then something's not ready, you'll get yelled at, you'll get thrown things. It was like, oh, it's a little scary, but mm -hmm. it's like, it's weird. But until you become a cook, you don't understand that like weird high you get from like, 
doing what we do almost like a vice like you can't get like people are workaholics because it's like it's exciting to do that yeah I learned what it was like to actually be a cook because there's a lot of people that are like oh cooking is easy you know what I mean and so um and it is easy to a certain degree but like cooking in like you know a restaurant where like you get yelled at and you're you know like the Gordon Ramsay yes like I I've had chefs that like especially there at the Omni that are no longer there thank goodness that have like thrown things at me or like yelled at me or like took taken all of the like prep that I had done that day thought it looked bad and had all of it thrown away in the (gasps) trash oh my god because he was just having a bad day all these crazy things that I was like oh my god this is really real like people really do this and no one says anything after that job, I didn't take that kind of anger from mm-hmm. people. So my second job, which was Oak, was a very fine dining restaurant. I think it's no longer here anymore either. They had a chef that turned out to be like a really big creep. And I was so turned off by it. And then he mm-hmm. got fired. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. They brought another person in and he was fine but he was like kind of very passive. He didn't really care about us. He'd come in drunk sometimes. And like, it was just such a weird environment. I got into an argument with one of the chefs there. He basically fired me in front of everybody because I was- You were being insubordinate. Yes. He would be really rude and like be really awkward and weird and creepy towards one of the girls that I was working with. Mm -hmm. And I stepped in and I was like, hey, she does not want to talk to you like in that way. And he got in my face and was like, who are you to talk to me like that? Like, Mm -hmm. this is none of your business. And I basically put my two weeks- And he's like, no, you're last night's tonight in front of everybody. And I was like red in the face. And so I was like, I'm leaving right now. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not staying till the end of the shifts. And I told her, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Cause I know there's, we need two people to run this, but I I can't stay here. And so I ended up leaving, but like, that's the first time I'd ever really stood up for myself. I was, I'm a very shy person, but it's where I met my husband. (laughs) He had worked there previously, came back as like a sous chef Mm -hmm. and um, cooking is like, like I said, it's my passion, but all of those experiences talked me into moving out of the the state for a while. And my husband, Alex, he was like my boyfriend. We had just been together like two months. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'll go to New York with you. And I was like, you will? So we moved to New York together wow. for a year. But New York taught me to be cleaner and neater and like, you know, about like finesse. And then from there on, I moved to Portland, which I worked as an overnight bread baker, mm-hmm. which is why our sourdough is like so important to me and Alex. I worked there for a year. And again, I loved it, even though I was working from 7 p.m. until like two or three in the morning. But uh, all of my tiny career moves have led up to this point, which when I came back, I was like, I don't want to work for anyone in Dallas. Like I knew that much, but I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what to do. So I worked at like a brew pub with Alex doing their pastry, but no one goes to brew pubs for pastries. They just don't. And so I was like, you know what? You don't have to pay me anymore, but is there a world I can pay you guys and bread and I can use your kitchen at night? And they were like, sure. Yes. (laughs) I was like, I was like, put in your order, leave it on the counter. I will make it. I'll have it all fresh and baked and like put aside for you. And that'll be like me, you know, basically paying you for renting the space. And they were like, okay. What was the thinking there? That Was the thinking that you were just going to start a side hustle and then hopefully one day it becomes your own thing? I was hoping so, but I had no idea what I was doing. I baked for the brew pub and then I would take pastries that I made, literally sample baskets, and I would drop them off at different coffee shops around as far as I thought I could drive in the middle of the Mm -hmm. night because I would bake everything in the middle of the night. 6 a.m. would come and I would drop off in my own car everything that I baked to different places. So I was like, how long, how long can I do this and how far can I, you know, go away from the, my central post? What was it like starting a business with your husband? 
the first three years of Akasita, I called them the dark years because like me and my husband worked together. Like we lived together. We worked together. We saw each other. We were like vampires because we like we basically just worked God. in the middle of the night. Yeah. But it was really hard. It was like a test on our relationship. Yeah. But thank goodness we went through it because it was like there'd be times where I would like cry out of nowhere. I was like so exhausted. We worked seven days a week for those three years, except for Christmas, Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve. Oh, my God. And I feel like the only thing that kept me going was not even Alex or the bakery or myself. It was like going back on having immigrant parents, I was like, my dad worked six days a week when I was growing up. So I only saw him on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if my dad can do this, if my mom can literally like come over in the middle of the night, she was pregnant with me when she came to uh, the United States from Mexico. And I was like, if they can do all that really hard stuff, I can do this. So what was the turning point in the business? Employees, a hundred percent. It's the only way I could have done any of the things that I did because I was literally there for 12 hours a day, six days a week. So mm -hmm. there was no getting away from that. And as soon as I hired the first person and taught them, I like had a day where I wasn't there on a random, I think Tuesday or Thursday. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can actually go to the grocery store and be a person and like yeah. take a meeting with someone instead of having to be at the bakery and like be scared that like my business was going to go under because I wasn't there. So what would you say makes La Casita different from other bakeries? The reason why I started La Casita on my own was because all of my past experiences had been like, there'd be creepy chefs or there'd be inappropriateness or there'd be people who were just plain out rude and would take their whole life out on you. And that was okay because that was just like the culture of cooking. If I'm rude to you, then that means I think anyone else can be rude to you. And yeah. that's not okay. And so I tried making a culture that I'd be happy with back then when I first started, like a place that's going to like sit me down and tell me that I can do better and how to do better and like want to invest in me. This is us trying to like make up for all the terrible chefs we've ever had and all the terrible experiences we've ever had. What's interesting about how you answer that question is like, I was actually asking about the food, but you, you went deeper. You actually went <laughs> and talked about the culture. That's a really beautiful thing because it's like you started this whole business because you were in a toxic workplace and you wanted to find something different. So like, I loved your answer for that. Tell people more about your inspiration from a culinary perspective. When I first started baking, I didn't like doing it. But for some reason, I came up with more ideas for pastry dishes than I ever had for savory stuff. And I was like, maybe there's a correlated thing there. Maybe I actually really like baking. Mm -hmm. And so again, I'm a Mexican American. So I love taking two things and trying to smash them together. Most of it, I think, is just talking to the bakers. They'll have like crazy ideas that we'll revisit later. Now that we've been nominated, I'm like, we can go a little chefier now. Yeah. Like we're starting to and we're hoping that the rest of the year will like showcase a lot of crazy things. You change the menu every month. What's the rationale behind that? You know, what's funny is we used to change it every week. When we first started, it used to be weekly menus. It was exhausting. As a person myself, I get bored pretty easily. So I'm like, I'm not going to go back to the same place to get the same things every single time. Yeah. I feel like a month is a really good time to learn something. So yeah. our bakers can actually learn how to do things. And then our regulars and people that are coming are like excited for the next month. So yeah. it's not the same thing over and over. So you were nominated by the James Beard Foundation. You've done a Food Network special, the Halloween Bake Off. Tell us what it's like to get recognized for your work. It feels honestly like I, I feel like I could die happy. The awards thing. I mean, I feel like I was like, I don't need awards to like make myself feel good about anything. But 
man, do they build businesses. Yeah. There is, you know what I mean? Like it helps so much, especially the James Beard Award. I think the first time we got nominated, I definitely cried. The second time we got nominated, I, I felt like I was like, I think my, I told my husband and he like had a Sharpie in his hand and he smashed it into the ground because he was so excited. It like fell apart, but we were, <laughs> we were excited. But the first time I got nominated, I was like, in shock I just started crying like wow. you know how when you're a kid and you <laughs> you can't mm-hmm. talk like I was doing that that day and I was like what's wrong with me I was like you know but I know a lot of the people that I look up to like some of my mentors and chefs like they reached out to me and they were like you know what I like I love that you're you're getting this but like I'm not gonna lie I'm a little jealous like this is crazy like yeah. you know what I mean like like this is insane do you know who nominated you I don't there's something just so genuine about just being nominated by somebody random that it feels more rewarding that way. That's amazing. And I mean, if you ever go to La Casita, like you'll see the line just like wrapped around the door. (laughs) So it's just like such an experience. Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs who are trying to turn their passion into their nine to five? I am not doing this alone. And I know some people do have to do it alone or they are just doing it alone. And I feel like surrounding yourself with the people that are like a champion for you, they're going to be there for you. Or if you're going to like do it on your own, like beating yourself up over not knowing how to do everything is like people do that a lot. You can't possibly know everything. And, you know, there's times where if you don't find good people to surround you and like a good like support system, even if they're not working for you, even if it's just a part time thing or you're just leaning on somebody like you don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Like I learned that pretty early. And thank goodness, because I'm the type of person that will like kick myself for not knowing how to do everything. And a big thing is like knowing when you're burnt out. Sometimes it sucks and you have to work past the burnout and Mm -hmm. you have to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. But there are times where I feel like I've been asked to do things um, by certain coffee shop owners and I wasn't comfortable like either doing it or I didn't have the time to do it. And it was just learning boundaries, which I'm still learning, but surrounding yourself with really good people and like learning your like your own personal boundaries too, because sometimes they start to melt in together as like mm-hmm. business and personal. I mean, especially um, when you work with your husband. Especially, <laughs> especially that. And then, you know, just setting up business boundaries. Mm-hmm. We try to do as much as we can. But like I said, like if you bend over backwards for everybody, you'll find yourself just literally being bent over backwards like forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I love that. Did you ever expect that you were, that you were building a brand? No, I honestly, I, I feel like, my whole life I've been trying to like just set myself apart from my sisters and be happy uh, with my, you know, with my own life and uh, my career and what I've, what I've built with my husband and everybody is like not something that like anybody in my life when I was younger would have said, like I would have done. I don't like being in the spotlight at all, Mm -hmm. but uh, for some reason I found myself smack in the middle of being put on the spotlight for everything. So, you know, other than that, I, I, you know, this, this life is like the best one I could have imagined. It's amazing. It's so incredible. So what would you say is like the most rewarding part of your job today? Man. So right now I just dropped my husband at the bakery and I came straight here afterwards. And my, one of my sous chefs, Lily, she is there making things that she wants to try out for other menus Mm -hmm. and to know that like I have an employee that's that dedicated that on on one of her days off she's just playing around at the bakery and she can do that because we let our employees if they want to like try things out pretty much try it out at the bakery because then if they don't have that they have to do it at home they have to buy their own ingredients Mm -hmm. so we're like this is your playground as long as you're happy and you want to create things come here so getting to know her and like having 
people in her life tell me that this is the happiest they've ever seen her. I think that's the biggest reward is like, like I said, I've always wanted to help people. And like, I'm start getting emotional. Lily is like the daughter. I don't like, I don't have children. I don't plan to, but she is like my daughter. I call her mm-hmm. my bakery daughter all the time. Mm-hmm. Getting to like have that connection with her is like probably like, and she'll probably, if she hears this, she'll probably start crying. We'll both start crying. Um, <laughs> that's like one of the biggest rewards to me is like getting to meet somebody like Lily and like have her actually be like inspired by like my life, which seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so great that you were talking about this because that's a lot of people feel like to find meaningful work or purposeful work, you have to like change the world or do something like that. But what you're giving an example of is just like how you find meaning in your everyday because of someone that you're mentoring. Yeah. So looking back, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Oh my God. I'd probably tell her to like, you know, everyone is their own worst critic, but I still, to this day, I feel like will find myself giving myself like a negative pep talk where I'm like, this doesn't look good. Or like, so-and-so is upset at this and that. And like, I think just trying to like be less negative to myself and like listening to other people when they tell me I can do things and not being, I think just don't be scared. I wish I would have known to get out of my own way yeah. uh, earlier, but my husband taught me that. So I'm, I'm so happy that he did because I'm like, there's things that I've done in in my life, like after knowing him that I would have never have done without him. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you just have to have someone kind of push you, you know, into He's your doing- little cheerleader. Yes, he is. I get it. Same situation <laughs> over here. So if you had to sum up your career in three words, what would that be? Oh my gosh. Um, I would, I, you know, it's funny. I, I love the word ridiculous. And I feel like I say that a lot. I'm like, this place is ridiculous. I feel like ridiculous is a good word just because like, oh man, three words. Sweet, savory. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, for real. Sweet, savory, ridiculousness. I think that's a good one. I, you know, I think, I think it's that because I think those three words actually make up my whole life because I make sweets for a living but I eat savory food like no other. Like, I won't eat sweets. Like my husband will be like, you want some cookies? I'm like, not really. And he's like, you don't? I'm like, no. I'm like, do we have like mozzarella sticks or something? And he's like, you're crazy. And then uh, he and I are like big children. But that's I, honestly, I might even put that on something. It's like sweet, savory ridiculousness because I think that's hilarious. I love that. No, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Career Slate. I loved your story. It was amazing. It was so great to catch up with you and just to really meet the person behind the pastries. Well, thank you so much. You've honestly, this feels very cathartic because I feel like we've talked about so many things that like I've literally been laughing this whole time and then you made me cry. So I feel like it's <laughs> going to come out of Sweet this savory. feeling. Yes. <laughs> Sweet, savory and ridiculousness. Exactly. <laughs> The Career Slay podcast is a co-production of Career Slay and Wild Reply, produced by Michael Burke. If you like the show, subscribe and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. New episodes drop every other Tuesday, so stay tuned for some great conversations on slaying the fear in career. Mm-hmm.